Well, I want to talk a little bit tonight about uh, communication. <laughs> there was a cheer there about that. Um, yeah, I, um, this, this has been a very long lifetime journey for me, um, learning the ways of God in communication. Um, you know, at times you have your good days, at times you have your bad days. I find my uh, worst days are when I'm not really listening into God and, and then how communication affects other people. But it has been a bit of a journey. Uh, I remember in the first uh, six years of being a Christian... Uh, God uh, really took me on a, a bit of a discipleship process uh, in the way that I communicated. Uh, apart from everything that I had to repent of when I first got saved, uh, a thing that I really needed to be discipled in and repenting of along the way was how I communicated with other people. Because when you're not living for God, it becomes this major you know, defensive weapon, and it can be used in the wrong way to, to hurt and harm people. And um, so God had to really change me, uh, transform me, uh, and six years of it. I remember as a young Christian, God saying, um, you know, I don't want you to blame anybody else for the way they're communicating. I want you to take personal responsibility for the way you do because I want to train you in my ways. And that was a real word for me. And, you know, sometimes you think when God's wanting to teach you something, you know, one week, two weeks, a few months, uh, it was six years for me of intense discipleship. And uh, it's, I'm still on that journey. Uh, there's things that God is still teaching me or correcting me in or uh, showing me by the way he communicates to me. But for me, this is a really big issue because, you know, you can't really have relationship with God or relationship with other people without, without communicating in a way that pleases the heart of God. And so relationship is bound up in our ability to communicate. And our God is a communicator. And so we, we have to learn how to communicate not just the way our friends do, but how do we communicate in a way... Uh, that would please the heart of God, where our personality is uh, still coming through, but it's coming through redeemed. It's coming through with, with all that pleases the Lord and uh, gives him pleasure. So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, um, because we live in a world that, uh, you know, kind of says a lot of stuff, there are a lot of stuff's out there, and um, when you look at uh, communication, uh, when we're doing it through social media, perhaps, uh, you know, we have lots of friends on our, our our social media boards or whatever, then what happens is that we can begin to depersonalise it and then we, we might say things that uh, we'd be embarrassed to say to that person face-to-face. Uh, -face. And uh, we don't want to write anything or communicate anything that we couldn't say face-to-face. Uh, -face. Um, you know... John was a disciple of Jesus, and um, he often referred to himself as the one God loves. And um, he wasn't using it as a title, uh, but he was referring to something that he knew. He knew that God loved him. And I think a real key to communication is knowing that God loves us. 
because then we can take the good, the bad, and the ugly because we know that God loves us. And uh, John was loved by God, and uh, and he loved God back. And when you read when you read the Gospels, you see that special relationship. It wasn't a favoritism relationship, but it was a special relationship where John really knew that he was loved by God. And so he used to sort of the one God loves man. And, uh, you know, we want to be the one God loves people. We want to grow in our understanding of that and our security of that because it affects how we relate to people, particularly when we're under pressure. Because we're under pressure, you know, when things are being, uh, you know, difficult in conversation or our relationships. Um, and we are not living with the understanding that we are the ones that God loves, then we're in danger of saying things to people that can cause harm to them and, and wound them. You know, I, I know as a kid growing up, there were words that were spoken, just things set out, set, spoken out at times, you know, when you get, uh, you know, when different people get angry with you or you frustrate them or um, they do something and, uh, you know, they've... They're in a bad way themselves and they speak something out, particularly from people that you really love and you're looking to for, you know, affirmation and care. And when those words are spoken out, well, at least what happened with me is I, they came into my spirit like, like a, an arrow and they went down into my innermost being and they started to shape uh, how I thought, what I believed. Certainly, I didn't believe I was one that God loved. I didn't believe uh, that others loved me. And um, it affected, therefore, how I responded, how I reacted, probably would be a better word, uh, how I uh, talked to people, and uh, how I cared for people. But when we know God's love, uh, that's a pretty amazing thing. And, uh, you know, we're all blessed people because we're here because we've experienced God's love. We've experienced uh, the love of God. And if you are here tonight and you've never experienced the love of God, come up, come up the front later on and love to share with you and pray with you. But when we know God's love, uh, we have a job to do. Did you know that? If you know God's love, there's a job to do. Uh, we've got to show God's amazing love. Uh, to the world that we live in. Uh, and we all have the same job. No matter what title we have, we all have the same job. And that job is to show God's love uh, to the world that we live in. And so, th so what we say and how we say it really matters because we're showing God's amazing love. Eh? It's not sort of, uh, I'll be my best self uh, it, it's something where God wants to come upon us and use us to show his love. But it, it's hard for us to allow God in and through us when we're not like John, the disciple, who referred to himself as the one God loves. And so first and foremost, we have to grab hold of that and understand that and, and, and live out of that. But when we do... Uh, we're, we're responsible for what we say, and, and, and we can't just have throwaway words and think, oh, that's okay. How we say what we say really matters. I know it, it certainly mattered to me. Many people would have been the recipient of me saying things in a way that caused harm. 
you know, and I didn't care at the time before I came to know the Lord and he began to do this work in my life related to how you talk, how you relate, how you love people. And, um, and you know, the more God did a work in my life, the more I became conscious of what I was saying and, and how I was saying it. You know, really, we do live in a, in a world where generally people are looking to discredit us. So it doesn't take much. You don't have to say much. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to do much. And someone will jump on that and they uh, will discredit you and I. They will say things. Uh, they'll pick up on a half-truth or a reaction or, or a tone. Um, in the Bible, in Proverbs 16, 28, and it says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. And, you know, th- there are people all around that are looking uh, to make trouble, looking to plant seeds of strife. That's not kingdom of God. But it is a reality in the world that we live in. Uh, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. So, you know, it can even be our close friends that, uh, that may be speaking about us or uh, communicating something that affects the way other people think about us. Have you ever walked into a group of friends and it feels a little bit cooler than normal? And uh, you wonder what's different between today and yesterday. Uh, and sometimes that's got to do with gossip. Something's been said. Uh, you know, maybe the person that said it has been offended. Maybe they haven't gone personally to you as a person and talked it through. And uh, with offence, we start talking. And uh, we want our friends to share in what we regard as our pain in that situation. Uh, but in Proverbs 16, 28, uh, the Bible says it causes strife in the world. And with that strife, people are ready to jump on that. They're ready uh, to discredit us. And, you know, it's difficult to change that view uh, at times once, if we've been responsible in creating it. Um, You know, another challenge today that we face, um, and really because of the world that we live in again, um, is that... We, you know, it's not like we're taken at face value in the world that we live in. We've, people will, will observe, they'll test. They want to know that you and I are believable. And uh, we must be believable first to be heard. Uh, but if, if people say, yes, that person is believable, then they'll listen. And, you know, when you're thinking about the power of the gospel or you're thinking about the power of of the words that God would have us share with those that desperately need to hear, or when you're thinking about the power of his love, uh, we have to be people uh, that are believable, that are authentic, uh, that that are full of truth and integrity, because people will look for that before they will hear you. Perhaps generations back, there was just a a natural giving of trust to one another a little bit more. But a lot of that's been broken down in the world that we live in. So um, that, uh, you know, we've we've got to work out how to do that within our own walk with God, within our own relationships. Um, It's the little things that build trust. 
It's the consistencies and the faithfulness and the love and the turning up when it's difficult and communicating when it's difficult. Uh, you know, ministering in the opposite spirit. And it has to be seen in many different ways for people uh, to believe. In Proverbs 29 verse 20, it says, There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And, um, you know, thinking is important before we speak because sometimes when we think about what we're going to say, it disciples our heart. Uh, you know, it disciples and, and, and highlights issues in our heart that may not be quite right. Um, you know, it, it could be issues of judgment, false judgment. Uh, you know, sometimes what we say out loud is different to the conversation of our heart, uh, the things that we're thinking, but we need our heart and our words to match. And Jesus wants to disciple us in that. It says in Proverbs 15, verse 4, gentle words are a tree of life. And, you know, we have the ability to plant trees of life in the world that we live in, in all of our relationships. It says gentle words are a tree of life, but it says a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And, uh, you, know, we, we, you know, God hasn't called us to be crushers of the human spirit. Uh, he's called us to be givers of life. He's called us to have gentle words that would uh, be like a tree of life in people. You know, there's something about a word of encouragement. You know, sometimes when you're, you're fighting, you know, your own personal battle or you're fighting a battle uh, within your job or the things that God's called you to or within family circumstances and you're feeling weighted down like by that and then someone comes along and, you know, it wasn't, you weren't, you weren't asking for it but they gave you an encouragement. It's like you feel like you're, you're strong again. Uh, you know, words of encouragement is like words of courage. And, you know, very often I've heard people say, oh, you shouldn't say those nice things to that person. They may get proud. I've often pondered that. I think that's a funny thing. Personally, I think that's funny. I mean, I'd prefer to be excessive in encouragement uh, than be worried about someone getting pride. God can take care of pride. Uh, but what, what we can do is give courage, right? Uh, we can encourage people uh, so that they, they stay in the race uh, that God set out before them. Um, with, with, uh, when you're a Christian, um, there's an added burden often um, of an unpopular uh, counterculture message. And uh, we live in a world that has that counterculture message and... Um, uh, that, that can sometimes rattle us um, in the core of our being. And sometimes we might be disappointed because we've compromised, uh, because we come under the pressure of counterculture. So we don't say what we believe when it's needed to be said. Uh, remember, what we say and how we say it matters, so it's not, it's not a contentious thing. We're not to take on the role of, of the adversary, but we are to be able to present what we believe in, in a loving and a gentle way, uh, communicating what we know and understand about God, uh, not, not being silenced by the counterculture uh, message. It says in Proverbs 15 verse 1, a gentle answer 
deflects anger, anger. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Um, you know, there are people out there looking for a story about you or a story about me or they're just a little bit idle and they want information and um, very often they'll ask questions to try and uh, create some sort of controversy in a situation. And in this scripture it says gentle words are a tree of life. There's the tree of life again. Another one is in Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Um, the latter part of that scripture was my life. <laughs> the harsh words that make tempers flare. And um, it was what I had to really deeply repent of. So I was a recipient of that, but I was also a giver of that. So, you know, I received harsh words, uh, continually receiving harsh words until I got angry. Uh, that my, uh, my, particularly my, uh, my um, family liked to see me get riled up, but equally um, giving the same back. It's almost like if you throw a brick at me, I'll throw two back. And that's, that's the nature of... of of where I was at in my communication, and it was completely opposite to God. So when, I, when God came into my life, when the Father entered, you know, that was something that had to change. Because words can be used for selfishness and self-protection, and that's what I used to use them for. Or they can be used uh, to plant life in people's lives. So, you know, the gentle answer deflects anger, um, obviously, with love, eh? Um, uh, I often teach on uh, relationships, and um, one of the things that I talk about, you know, because the Bible talks about truth, and so sometimes we're really, you know, it's all about truth, and it's all about truth, and it is all about truth, because Jesus is truth, but Jesus is also love. God is love. And so you can't put 10 tons of truth, you can't slam 10 tons of truth down on this thin timber here because what's going to happen is it'll smash straight through. So say this timber was a platform of love and we drop 10 tons of truth on it, it's just going to smash through. So what we want to do is we want love to sustain truth and excessive love and don't compromise truth. But allow God to teach us his ways in how to bring truth in a way that looks like him. So with love, with love, with love. What does our nation need? Needs love. Yeah? Well, our nation needs love. It absolutely needs love. And um, God has called us to be communicators and to use our words to communicate love, to communicate uh, uh, kindness, uh, giving gentle answers that would deflect love. Another thing that people don't like in communication is they don't like misses. So, you know, we could be telling a story and we miss a piece of it. Obviously, maybe it's because we think it sounds better. Uh, maybe because that's not the nice bit of the story and it doesn't make us look good. Um, but when that's 
caught out, it can cause problems because people remove their trust uh, for a period of time because they think, hey, these guys are not being real with me. They're not being honest. And so the world that we live in is looking for accuracy. Uh, this generation is looking for accuracy. They're also looking for simplicity. And I think those things go, to get, go together really, really well. We don't need to create a story that doesn't exist. We don't need to say things that don't exist. Uh, what, but we also don't need to make something complex uh, because we think that sounds uh, more important or it might sound more spiritual. Um, you know, we just need to handle uh, truth in our words with accuracy and simplicity, because even Christians misquote the Word of God. Uh, they, you know, then they're just quoting. Sometimes that we can be in danger of quoting a scripture uh, simply because it is like a, a hammer in our hand uh, that we fight with. And actually, uh, God's words are not like that. And very often, we're, quote, we're misquoting it. And uh, we're misquoting it in such a way that it doesn't represent God's nature and character in the way that we use it. And it certainly doesn't represent God's love. Um, you know, we need to speak truly. Uh, in Australia, we have a term, fair dinkum. Uh, fair dinkum is not used as much in these days, but it's still used, and it means that you have to speak truly. You, you, you've got to be the real thing. You've got to say it clear. You've got to say it truthfully, and uh, we'll respect that. Uh, we don't like too much added to it uh, just to speak truly. Another thing is we've got to deal truly with people. It's part of our communication is our story, and it's how we deal with people. And uh, we, we, we can't give people a bad deal. Uh, we've got to do it in a way that God would do it. We've got to deal with people well. Uh, we've got to live truly or live in the truth and, um, and strive uh, to, be, to follow God uh, with all of our heart uh, in truth. And we've got to love truly. So we've got to speak truly, deal truly, live truly, and love truly. To me, that's life's great pursuit. It's also life's great challenge. Uh, and, you know, very often that's because I'm living in the world and it's a challenge to the rest of the world. Uh, my behavior, my communication, uh, there are many times when I have to ask God's forgiveness or ask someone else's forgiveness. Uh, in Ephesians 4.15, it says, instead we speak the truth in love. Instead, we speak the truth in love. But here's, here's the wonderful bit, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. So that's Ephesians 4.15. Um, who wants to be growing in every way more and more like Christ? Anybody in this room? Yeah, I, I kind of guessed that. Um, so how do we do that? Speak the truth in love. So it's, it's not, the truth doesn't come like that. <laughs> uh, the truth comes uh, fully sustained by love. And, you know, if we don't have a love, the love of God for, for that person, we need to really get on our knees, eh? Uh, but the danger is that we use our words. But we've got we've to get on our knees. We've got to pray. Uh, we've got to really pray for our heart to be right. We've got to pray for that person. Uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but 
Way too many times we have a go at flesh and blood before we've really prayed it through with the Father, right? And if we just get into the presence of the Father, he shifts us. And we often see that we weren't seeing clearly. Or to use the words I was using before, we're not seeing truly. We're not seeing as God sees it. And he adjusts our seeing. And all of a sudden, we get compassion. All of a sudden, we get love. All of a sudden, it's not an issue, (laughs) right? Love covers a multitude of transgressions. Because some of the things that we have relationship breakdown with are not big issues, but we can lock in in our spirit and make things an issue. And we've got to choose our battles. We've got to choose the battles of God. And uh, we've got to do it God's way, eh? Uh, In Proverbs 15, verse 28, it says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Uh, You know, I was really uh, chewing on that a little bit today. I can't say that I always think carefully (laughs) before I speak. But it actually describes a godly person as someone that does. And there was, a look, there was conviction there in my spirit related to that. Now, we can't walk around being silent because that communicates something too. But it's, it's you know, what it, if our heart's in a good place, uh, then as we think before we speak, uh, the words are, are going to have a better chance of coming out uh, the way God wants them. But if our heart is not right, then we need to get on our knees because it's about us getting right before it's us pointing the finger at someone else. eh? You know, the word of the Lord to me is that young kid coming to the Lord, take personal responsibility for your life. Um, You know, I think one of the things in communication that's really important uh, is to identify with the person that we're relating to. Identification is really important, and you'll know someone that did that for you, and that was Jesus. And identification means I have been there. Now, you may not have physically been there, but you may be able to identify in some way with the emotion or the feelings or uh, the pain or the sorrow that that person's carrying. Jesus identified There's no one that identified more with me than Jesus. Identification means that he didn't come first as my my judge. He came as someone that identified. And then that's his loving kindness led me to repentance. And so identification is, is really, really important. And if we don't identify, we walk past the, the person that God wants us to care for on the street. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan is about a whole bunch of people that walk past because they weren't identifying. They were judging, right? And, and you know, we need to identify. You know, we may not have had the exact background or we, won't, we can't identify with those areas in the sense of the, the details and the storyline, but we can identify with the human heart. And if we can't, we can get in touch with Jesus, who can give us those points of identification. Another thing is understanding. Now, understanding is just a little bit extra 
just adding on to, if you like, identification plus understanding is a good thing. Because identification is I have been there. Understanding is I know how you feel. And both of those are really important words, if you really can say that, uh, speaking the truth. Because that helps people to calm and it helps people to settle. Therefore, when our words come or the things that God gives them to help them come, uh, they'll be more ready and more likely to be, to, to be able to fall on that dry, heavy land where they need words. They need words of life. They need God. And, uh, you know, they need God in, in many ways, many shapes, many forms. And if you look at the person either side of you, you're all a different shape. You all have different personalities. You've all got a different capacity in the way that you bring the love of God. And so, therefore, that identification, that understanding is going to come in a huge amount of different ways, even through the group of people in this room. So the, this type of communication that I'm talking about goes a long way because what it does is it puts a human face on the convictions or the truth that, that you might know that that person needs or that person needs understanding on something. They need answers on something. But without a human face, they're not going to hear uh, what you and I have to say. And we have a city that needs a human face. Uh, we have a city that needs the love of God. Uh, we have a nation that needs the love of God. So, you know... The type of communication goes a long way. Uh, that human face is, is so important because people are looking for an authentic person to relate to, uh, people with integrity. I, I could tell you a lot of stories about engaging with Perth City, either that I've been personally involved in or uh, Peter, my husband, has been personally involved in or other YWAMers uh, in this room uh, and, and those that are no longer with us. But, you know, sometimes that personal engagement and that love of God comes under very difficult circumstances where, you know, you might be being threatened, there might be all sorts of stuff happening. Uh, but I've seen every time that if you settled in the, in the Lord and you're, you're loving that person to the best of your ability the way Jesus would, uh, it changes them every time. It changes the aggression. It changes everything. It's got to do with communication. It's got to do with how we say what we say. It really matters. It really, really matters. Because sometimes people get fired up because of pain and hurt. And sometimes they're yelling and screaming, you know, in a situation. And we have a tendency to want to move on. But actually what they need is someone just to wait and help them. Because that reaction has normally got to do with something uh, that has happened where they've been hurt. They don't know how to communicate it any other way. Um, when, you know... We don't want to be the person that walks by. We want to be the person that learns how to love the way Jesus loves. Uh, and there are people in this nation who are doing it tough. And um, they want to see the gospel. And the power of the gospel uh, comes through our communication. That's what God said, go, share, talk, preach. 
it wasn't a it wasn't a technical thing it was a love of god thing what i have shown you what how i have shown you the father what i've shown you about myself how you live how i've shown you to live now go and tell the world and if they see jesus in us they will love him you know if they see me they're not you know it's good okay let's move on <laughs> but if they see god if they see uh, the miracle of a transformed life as we continue to yield, as we continue to allow God to correct us where we need correcting, instruct us, changing us, then, then people are going to see there's a person of humility, there's a person of integrity, I've got time for them, I'll listen to them, I want to hear what they've got to say. And, um, you know, uh, the people... People not only want to see the gospel, they want to know what the Bible has to say about the issues of their life, because truth sets you free, right? And we very often think people don't want to know what the Bible has to say about their personal needs. Everybody wants to know that. Everybody wants to know that. They want to know how God works, how he does what he does. They want to see examples of that. Uh, they, they want to see, and that's what they were doing with Jesus, right? They were following him, looking at everything he did. Uh, people want to see, and they want answers on the issues that they're struggling with. When you think of veterans in this nation, you know, people that have fought in uh, uh, where Australia's, uh, where our nation has been represented by them in other nations in war, or you might uh, think of a category uh, like uh, young people. Uh, there's a huge need among our young people in Western Australia, um, huge percentage per capita of young people thinking about uh, taking their own life. And uh, they, they want to know what the Bible has to say about that. Um, that. That's something that could turn their life around. And very often we're focusing on what they're considering doing rather than giving them answers and a way out. They want to know the truth. They want to know the love of God in their circumstances. You know, uh, middle-aged people that are considering the next years of their life and perhaps getting anxiety about how am I going to live, where am I going to get my money from. Um, you know, God's a provider, uh, God has answers. They want to they understand that from the Bible. How does God speak into their real life issue? Are there answers from God about their lives? What about some of our remote indigenous communities? Uh, they want answers. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes isolation, uh, false, false uh, truth is put in there. But really, they want real answers uh, for real community needs. And, um, and I could go through category after category after category. This book is about a relation, a, a God who is a God of relationship, who shared his love with you and I, uh, who came to this world as a missionary and as the saviour of the world to pay a price that we could never pay he demonstrated, he spoke, he trained, he showed. And he wants us to take that uh, to, to others. Um, you know, he was amazing. It says everything uh, that Jesus spoke, uh, it said everyone spoke well of him. This is Luke 4.22, sorry. Uh, everyone spoke well of Jesus and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. 
How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Uh, Well, you know, the power of God wants to come upon you in that way, that they would be amazed by the gracious words that come from your mouth. Because the question is, it's not, it could not come considering our past choices, except by the power of God and the love of God that's brought transformation in our lives. But let's allow him to come, right? So that people, you know, whatever your name is, and I, I, I sadly don't know everybody's name in this room, but we want everybody speaking well of you whatever your name is, to be amazed by your gracious words that come from your lips. And asking question, how can this be? Isn't that the person with that background? Didn't they say they were this or that? You know, God redeems us. And he doesn't redeem us just to sit around and frolic in the redemption. He he redeems us back to original intentions so that we can go and share that precious love. There's no one that can share the love of God quite like you can. And I'm talking to each and every one of you in this room. You know, sometimes I'll I'll be sitting next to someone that's sharing about Jesus, and I'm fascinated by what they say and how they say it. You know, I love it. I love it. I love listening to them. Uh, Because they, they have a different approach to me, and every time God opens the heart of that person that they're talking to. There's, you know, but they need to see a changed life in us because why would they exchange their bad life for our bad life? (laughs) They want to see Jesus, right? They want to see the love of God in our life shining in our words, in our body language, in everything that we do. And, you know, I think in Jesus, the crowds followed him because they, they could trust him. They saw humility. Uh, they, they didn't see someone parading themselves. They didn't see a figurehead. They saw him because Jesus revealed himself. And, and this scripture says, describes it as gracious words. So I don't know about you, but I, I want people to see him uh, in, in my communication. I, I know that I've got a ways to go, but, you know, as I was praying about tonight, I, I just felt like God was really speaking about this, eh? He, he was really speaking about words, uh, the power of words. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is if people saw Jesus in our communication, it would be as though Christ is walking into a room. And, and the way that we communicate is full of compassion. Uh, it's full of kindness. Uh, it's the type of communication that bears all situations, doesn't withdraw from them. You know, we can, you know, that's what we've got to be prepared for. And the only way you and I can get prepared is by our relationship with the Father. And understanding like John, I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm loved. Um, you know, having the wisdom uh, to see what he sees and move toward that, uh, move toward that individual, seeing what he sees about that individual, uh, seeing the grace and love that he has for them, and, and seeking to reach out to the best of our ability with grace and love. You know, Jesus related incredibly to the individual extraordinarily to the individual, but he also related extraordinarily to the crowd. 
And everybody in a large crowd felt like he was relating just to them. Um, you know, often to the crowds that were gathering around him, and there were a lot of them because he was so incredibly attractive and they went after him, um, Jesus often looked at them and the Bible says Jesus had compassion. He felt something. He was moved by something. It wasn't judgment. It was people created in his image that the Father had sent him for, people that the Father loved. Now, these people may have been haters of God. It didn't change God's heart of compassion uh, every time for those crowds. In Ephesians 4.15, it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head. It also says in Proverbs 12.6, The words of the godly save or rescue lives. I want to be a rescuer through my communication, eh? Who wants to be a rescuer? Who wants to save lives through your communication? The words of the godly. So, you know, listening as well is really important, eh? Because of the identification, the understanding. Listening is as important as speaking. And I'm not so good at that. <laughs> um, I've got to learn uh, to do that so much better. There's a guy called Peter Drucker, and um, Peter Drucker is Austrian-born American guy, and um, uh, he's a manager. He was a management consultant. He's passed away now, but uh, really a highly influential guy in his lifetime, uh, with how he influenced in his generation. He said, "Most important thing in communication is to hear what isn't being said." Good one, right? Most important thing in communication is to hear what isn't being said. And I remember I was really tested in this once when I was working late and this young man um, who was struggling with a lot of issues in his life um, came into the office where I was working and there was no one else there and he was very angry, extremely angry. It's so angry that the veins were up on his neck and he started to walk toward me and he was saying all this stuff. Uh, he'd come out of a lot of rejection and he was feeling very, very deeply and at that moment I was his target. And he, he kept on coming, he was a big guy, kept on coming and eventually I was pinned against a wall and um, I, was, I was asking God, what is happening here? Because there was nothing I could do at that moment. And I was trying to work out what to do. Because uh, it was, you know, I was going to ring someone to come and get me when I was finished my work and then uh, go back to where I lived. And uh, so I didn't think anybody else was in this building. But there was this young guy and he was really upset. And um, God... God spoke something which revealed God's heart of compassion for this young man. And I knew this young man, so I said what God had revealed to me. And that anger just collapsed. He collapsed on the floor and he began to weep. He began to weep and he just wept and he wept and he wept. I made a phone call, just asked someone else to come and pray with me and... Uh, but that was, that was a real, uh, it was a real instruction time for me because it's a little bit like what this guy Peter Drucker says, most important thing in communication is to hear 
what isn't being said. There was a lot of noise that night, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of threatening. And there was a lot of communication that was coming my way. But the most important thing in communication is to hear what isn't being said. And that was something that was very instructive to me to seek God on that, to find out from the Father, well, what, is, what is it with your son right now, Lord? And what are you saying? Uh, there's another famous guy uh, that lived way back. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor theologian and he said, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either. He who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either. And I just, I was thinking about that a lot today and I felt like the fear of the Lord came upon my life because, you know, um, wow, to get to a point where you can no longer listen to God because you're just not listening, eh? You're just not listening. And so uh, the words of another person or the words of God are, are no longer important. And uh, I, just, I just felt a real fear of the Lord today with that one comment. Uh, he, could, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either. And if we can't listen to God, then we, we're going to get in trouble in our relationships. Because we run out of love, we run out of patience, we run out of self-control. But he never does, eh? And um, Proverbs 18.13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Spouting off. You know, when a hose breaks. Right? I had a PhD in that. Uh, maybe my husband thinks I still do. Uh, but, you know, like, it's just like when the hose breaks and everything's out of control. Uh, our self-control uh, can break out in relationship to our community, in, into our communication. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Uh, Proverbs 25 verse 12 says, To one who listens, uh, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. If we can't listen, we can't receive reproof, we can't receive instruction, uh, we can't be discipled. Because there's always an excuse, there's always a reason, there's always justification and part of our discipleship process is to allow ourselves to be discipled and part of that means we've got to listen. Uh, we've got to listen to those that um, uh, actually have an ability to be able to speak into our lives and help us and we've got to not only listen, we've got to think about that really carefully and think about how we can make a response. Anything that you and I say as people who love God uh, is representative. So what we say is representative. So unkindness and criticism are not part of that because that's not part of God. And um, the words of the godly are life-giving fountain, Proverbs 10:11. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing, Proverbs 12:18. So I, I think with all these scriptures that we're looking at tonight, and I know there's a lot of them, but the Word of God speaks a lot better than I can. Um, I think it's saying more love, less judgment. <laughs> 
to put it simply, more love, uh, less judgment. Uh, you know, and uh, Lord, set us free from um, unrighteous judgment in our heart, eh? Let's be people that really love. So dealing with all of that, it's really a hard issue. You know, we could talk all we like. We can have conversations all we like. We can, we can blame everybody all we like for our responses. You know, maybe something happens to you and you sort of spout out. What's that word? Uh, spouting off. And uh, before listening and then all of a sudden you, you know, you... You contain yourself, you stop, you stop the water flowing, you stop the mouth flowing, and then you might say, I don't know where that came from. Well, actually, it comes from our heart. But very often, we try and push it off. Well, someone else's problem, you looked at me the wrong way, you said the wrong thing. Yeah, maybe they did all that. Maybe they did worse. But out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and kingdom of God people, God's called us to run a race where we can be life givers. And that means like Jesus. He was willing to even pay the greatest price that we could ever imagine. I, I don't fully understand the love of God, but I know I'm a recipient of it. And I just want to grow in being better at being able to uh, give greater and greater freedom for the Holy Spirit's love uh, through me, and I've got a ways to go, but unkindness and criticism is not a part of that, and so we've got to deal with our heart, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. You've got to own it, right? We've got to own our communication. We've got to own that someone else uh, is coming and saying, that hurt me, or we've got to own it when the Holy Spirit says, it's not what you said, it's the way you said that. Go and get it right. You know, it's your attitude. Because we can be so technical and think, I said that perfectly well. It was very biblical. <laughs> I even quoted a scripture. <laughs> but maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, well, yeah, you, you did that well, but I don't, I don't care as much about that as I care about your heart and what, what was in your heart. And, and, you know, were you using that to try and prove someone else wrong or were you using that to try and help someone? Uh, what was your attitude? What was your heart? Um, so we, we need to be accountable for what we say. And the Bible actually tells us in Matthew 12, uh, 36 to 37, uh, you must give an account. That's real, guys. On Judgment Day, it says, for every idle word you speak. Wow. If we stopped and counted that on a daily basis... <laughs> It doesn't mean we shouldn't have a personality and we shouldn't engage. That's how you communicate the love of God. But it's the idle words. It's the words that do harm, that slip in, you know. Um, it says, I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. That's Matthew 12, uh, 36 and 37. And then Luke 6.45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. We want to create a treasure of a good heart, right? And just allow, uh, open ourselves up to the, to the gaze of God. Uh, open ourselves up, say, Jesus, just speak to me, whatever you need to say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. 
What you say flows from what is in your heart. Luke 6, 45. Again, words of Jesus, um, pretty clear. Jesus is saying you need to be accountable. Uh, what comes out of your heart is an issue to me. And if you get your heart right, what comes out will glorify me and it will represent me well. So I just want to close with, and by reading these two scriptures. And um, the first one is sometimes uh, a scripture that you might hear related to giving. But there's many, many types of giving. And I think one of the most constant ways we can give is through our communication. Uh, you know, being excessively generous, loving communicators. And uh, I'm not telling you to go lose your authenticity. I'm telling you to learn, as a man or a woman of God, how God created you to be with excessive, generous, <laughs> loving communication. And I want to tell you, uh, when I'm around people like that, it fills me with strength and courage to fight the battles, uh, to love the people that God's called me to love. So if you've got your Bibles, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 to 15, but if not, I'll just read it to you. Um, we want to be seed planters. And so Jesus is drawing an analogy here with a farmer who plants seeds. And it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Stingy, right? Just a few. Just a few. I could just little, just, you know, let's take it slowly. Just a few. Just, just not too many. Don't want to be excessive. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't want to have to work too hard to harvest all that goodness. Um, it says a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And our world needs a generous crop of love. Uh, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And this is important to God because it's what's in our heart. And we've got to cultivate our heart toward generosity. We've got to challenge our heart toward excessive love. Uh, it means you've got to step outside of your natural likes and dislikes. You know, uh, years ago, I wanted to learn how to be an encouraging person. And uh, I just asked God, you said, well, just look for the most encouraging person that you see and imitate them. And God was giving me, he was just saying, look for, a, you know, a human being that you think is encouraging and just, just imitate them. Just learn to watch them and see how they do what they do and just do it yourself. And that was helpful to me because, of course, we learn from the Father, but we also learn from people around us that are just walking in these things. It says you must each decide in your heart. It's not all of a sudden going to descend like a cloud. We've got to decide in our heart how much to give. And some of us might hold back, you know, for reasons of hurt or mistrust. Uh, don't give reluctantly or in, in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. So we've got to have faith for that, eh? Uh, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. I think people in this world are word poor. They're word poor for the love of God. They're word poor for knowing that they're important and significant and that 
the eyes of God are on them, that God entered their world and he, and he loves them. Their good deeds, uh, so it goes on to, to talk here. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray uh, for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. And the last one is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Words are patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I think you could have a major prayer meeting over every one of those phrases. I could. <laughs> but when, with 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7, overlay this with our words. Loving words are patient and kind. Loving words are not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Loving words do not demand their own way. Loving words are not irritable. They keep no record of being wrong. Loving words does not rejoice over injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Loving words never give up, never lose faith, are always hopeful and endure through every circumstance. You know... Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that I, ha I have so many people in my life that represent God to me in this way. And, you know, quite honestly, without, without them, you wonder whether you'd finish your race. Um, this is so important, not only for us within the family of God, but for us as the family of God, uh, relating to a city uh, that that has sorrows, has troubles, has needs, that we wouldn't be a people that would walk by, but we'd be a people uh, that love them, that care for them, that is generous and kind. And, uh, yeah, I find that the more, the more you reach out and the more you touch people's heart with the love of God, uh, it changes you in the process because you start to see more about Jesus. And so think, think, I hope tonight causes us to think a little bit more and be challenged in our spirit about how we speak rather than saying, well, that's, what, that's how everybody talks. Find out how Jesus talks. Find out how to get excessive love from the inside out. Uh, allow God to teach you what needs to change in your communication. With me, it was six years of intense discipleship, and I'm still on a journey. But I'm grateful to the Lord that he corrected me. I remember when I first read that proverb that says reproof and instruction are a way of life, I said to God, I'm going to die. Because I wasn't good when I was reproved and I wasn't good with instruction. I, I stand here as someone that God's had to work hard with. But, but words open up the courts of kings. And, um, and people 
witness authenticity, integrity, truthfulness. They witness love and they'll open the doors for you and allow you to share uh, with them. Because, you know, people in this city and this nation and other parts of the world may have great titles, uh, but some of those great titles that over the years we've had the privilege to engage with are just a human being like you and I. Uh, so this message is for all people who desperately need to know that they're a little boy or a little girl living in an adult body at times and that they're loved by God and that God can heal them and set them free. Amen? Yeah, God bless you guys.